Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, episode 3784.4. Ha! April Fools! It's it's uh, episode 25, because you're listening to this on April 1st, 2019, which is April Fool's Day. But what if, gotcha. they, don't, what if they don't listen to it on Monday? What if they're more of like a Wednesday 8311Cast listener? They'll still understand the joke. April Fools! Huh? <laughs> Got, Got you! It's Got not you. April Fools anymore. It's actually episode 25 of the 8311Cast, featuring your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. On this week's episode of the If You Love a Cast, we're going to be going over NCAA March Madness, letting you know who's pissed off this week, going over week eight of the AAF, chatting about some baseball, talking about some Formula One, and closing out with our signature Mike's Stupid Rules and our world-famous Write That Down section that we totally didn't steal from some radio place up in the Twin Cities. No, I came up with it myself, I guarantee it. Totally original. 100%. So, NCAA, what's been going on besides Duke, Duke losing? Well, so... They call it March Madness for a reason, and on the last two days of March, the Elite Eight was absolute madness. I I mean, it all starts out with Duke losing to Michigan State. Sparty finally did something in the NCAA tournament after really choking for a lot of the years when they're actually supposed to be good and supposed to make deep runs in the tournament, similar to Virginia's. Uh, lost last year as a 16 seed, or as a one seed to a 16 seed. Sorry, just had to throw that out there, uh, just to remind everybody of how pitiful that loss was for Virginia. But a lot of a lot of teams played really great games, and there were obviously some standouts. Now, of course, everybody was talking about Zion Williamson, but Cassius Winston had his way against Duke. He was able to get to the get to the rack, get to the free throw line. He hit some big shots. He had a lot of assists, and he was a real game manager. And he he sealed the game at the end uh, by probably running the fastest he's ever run in his life away from the entire Duke uh, team on the floor as he dribbled out the last or the remaining 4.7 seconds off the clock. So Duke's luck finally runs out after they've survived for two rounds in a row. They are now out and. Uh, Zion Williamson, have fun, go make your money in the NBA, and have fun being the second heaviest player in the NBA as the youngest. There's no, he's not the second heaviest. Yes, he is. What? He is the second. Look it up. He is the. He will be the second heaviest player. There's in no the way. NBA. There's no. Have you seen Dwight Howard? You saying he's? You saying he's bigger than Dwight Howard? He's heavier. I don't. Look, it, look it up. Look I it up. I don't believe that. Look it up. And he is not heavier than. Most of NBA centers. I don't believe that. Look it up. I don't believe that. Look I think it up. You're lying to me. Look it up. Can we have our producer look that up for us while I continue? We'll, to I will. I will. We'll have our producer you. look that up. But on another note, so out of 17.2 million brackets filled out on the ESPN Tournament Challenge uh, site, only 0.4 percent of brackets had this Final Four picked. The Final Four being. The Virginia Cavaliers, the Auburn Tigers, Michigan State Spartans, and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, that's out of 17.2 million, only 7,928 brackets had the correct Final Four. Now, out of all of your 8311 cast hosts, none of us had the Final Four picked entirely correctly. A lot of us had some of the teams in there, like as in Virginia. And Wyatt, I believe, had Auburn. I had Texas Tech, and Mike had 
uh, Sparty making it to the Final Four. And, and Texas Tech and, and Virginia. I'm just saying that all of us had a combination of it. Together, we could have had it, but none of us picked it entirely. I think right. we all had three three of four, didn't we? I think so. I think I had Which Virginia, means we all had the same Texas Final Tech. Four picks, yeah. right? Because none of us had Auburn. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I did. I had Auburn. Oh, you had Auburn? Yeah, so Auburn. I had three for four. We didn't. I didn't have Michigan State, so... Yeah, that's that's that. Uh, Texas Tech uh, makes their first Final Four in the history of Texas Tech men, men's basketball. Uh, in his third season, Chris Beard has really brought this team back to uh, kind of a what they used to be uh, back when Bob Knight was the coach was coaching them on the sidelines, uh, trying to hold back from throwing chairs across the court. Even though he did do that at Indiana, yeah, he, he, he never that, really he brought that to Texas Tech. But oh well, uh, Texas Tech's defense has been absolutely stifling. Uh, watching some of those games, they have really, they're really getting after the ball, and they're going to be a hard team to oust in the Final Four and in the national championship if they make it that far. Um, so we'll we'll see how they play. But I will, I if I was the team. Matching up against Texas Tech right now, I'd be a little little scared of how they're playing. Fun currently. fact, Texas Tech is the first ever team to lose in their first conference tournament game and make the Final Four. That was a first for Texas Tech. So not only are they having a very successful season, but they have a new first as the first ever team to lose in the first round of their conference tournament and make the Final Four. We'll see if that string can continue or if it might come to an end against Michigan State this upcoming Saturday. Yes, the final four games will be played on Saturday with the um, final the championship game. Wow, I am exhausted, so I apologize for not making much sense tonight. But uh, yes, with the championship game coming um, on Monday, April 8th. So we'll be able to tell you who's in the championship game next episode, but we won't, uh, won't necessarily be able to tell you about who won because, you know, it wouldn't have happened yet and we don't get to see the future, unfortunately. We'll give you oh, our yeah. picks. We can't see the future. Can you see the future? No, because I didn't see Auburn making it to the Final Four. I did. Well, why it did? I mean, they made an impressive run through the SEC tournament, which mm-hmm. really launched them and propelled them into a five seed in this NCAA tournament. But Bruce Pearl, their defense... Is played phenomenal as well. Two really good defensive teams. They remind me a little bit of Bob Huggins' Press Virginia in the fact that they are their two small guards are literally running all over the backcourt, harassing people with full court press, knocking balls loose, and then they get a ton of fast break opportunities out of that. Uh, yes, they did lose one of their big men, big men to an uh, a torn ACL. Uh, I feel really bad for him. I saw that injury happen, and it didn't look great. He has a long recovery ahead of him. He He's a sophomore, and he's been playing really well in the tournament, but I feel Auburn is probably going to play pretty inspired for him. So we'll see how they line up against Virginia uh, in the Final Four in Minneapolis. That's going to be a game with huge conflicting styles. Virginia likes to play really, really slow, and Auburn likes to play really, really fast. There's times when Auburn doesn't even let 10 seconds run off the shot clock before they take a shot. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Whoever wins that game is whoever's pace dominates that game. If Virginia can slow Auburn down, Virginia's going to win. But if Auburn can speed Virginia up, Auburn's going to win. It's going to come down to whose pace can dominate that game. That's the team that's going to win. And who can ever hold on to the ball? Can... can 
Virginia hold on to the ball long enough that Auburn's not poking it away everywhere? Or can Auburn not play so fast trying to speed up the game that they hurt themselves all the way throughout that game? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I still, uh, I had Michigan State going all the way from the start. I still have, I still have Michigan State. I'm a well with what I got. So who, what are your two national championship teams and who do you have winning? You already told us who you have winning, but who are they going to play? Virginia. All right. Michigan State versus Virginia. Wyatt, who do you have? I have Virginia and Texas Tech. All right. I am going to go with Texas Tech and Virginia. I want to <laughs> see that game. And I, too. I think Texas Tech is going to win. I, I would disagree. I think Virginia is going to win that game. I think Virginia is going to choke. I don't like think so. Last year. I don't think so. I think they've overcome those demons now with how yeah, they've done probably. this year. So. Probably yeah. so far. Also, I can attest to the veracity of Kyle's claim that Zion Williamson will be the second heaviest NBA, current NBA player. Number one is uh, Boban Mar- Marginovic. Plays for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yep. Yep. 76ers. He's 290. Uh, Zion Williamson is, what, 284? Mm-hmm. Yep, he's, and he's a big man. So currently, the second heaviest is two seventy nine. That, that's that's Drummond, Andre. You, you hear that, Mike? Two seventy nine. So I, I so I was that. right. Yes. Still don't believe he's I, actually two eighty five. There's record, no way those weights are correct. I would just like it to be known that I was correct. There's no way those weights are actually correct. That that's what I he's, think. I think Zion Williamson's to. weight is inflated, so people are intimidated by him more than they already are. You should go find him and pick him up. All right, sounds good. I'll put them on your nice new scale that you got and see. It's how, a nice scale. It's it Bluetooth and it gives gives you all this other stuff and and whatnot. But now we talked about the NCAA men's tournament. Can uh, who wants to give us an update on the NCAA women's tournament? Yeah. So when we last left our Cyclone women, they had just knocked off New Mexico State in the first round of the NCAA tournament, with their second round game coming up on Monday against uh, Missouri State. I have the. Uh, unfortunate job of telling you that they were not able to advance to Sweet 16 game in Chicago as they fell to Missouri State in the second round in Hilton. It was a really tough game to watch. The Cyclone women could not hit threes. They only hit two, maybe three three-point shots for the entire, um, in, over the course of the entire game. They really battled hard, but this is I've been saying it the entire season. This is just a team that can't win if they don't hit threes, and they weren't uh, they weren't hitting threes. Bridget Carlton did everything she could to try to keep that women's team in the game. I think she scored thirty two points or something like that. She she literally put the team on her back and tried to carry them all the way, all the way to the Sweet Sixteen. But she was just not getting any help. Second second highest scoring player in Iowa State history for Bridget Carlton so what an incredible career for her for sure and it was a tough way to see it end like that in getting upset in Hilton Coliseum after such a successful year but we really can't let the ending take anything away from how great of a year this was only three home losses the entire year um, with the losses to Texas at home, Baylor at home, and then the third one to Missouri State. So only three home losses, a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, the last AP poll that came out before the tournament started, they were in the top 15. Just an incredible, incredible season, especially coming off the really down year that they had last year. And uh, because of that, uh, 
Coach Fenley was uh, given a contract extension by the athletics department. I think it's through like 2025. So uh, same same year as Coach Prom's extension. Yep. So Coach Fenley is going to be around for a long while, and he should be. He is he is my favorite coach at Iowa State. I know there are a lot of Matt Campbell and Steve Prom fans out there, but uh, Bill Fenley is definitely my favorite coach at Iowa State, and he certainly deserves to coach here for quite a while with how he's done this year. It's going to be uh, interesting to see next year what uh, what this team can do. They're losing Bridget Carlton, which is certainly going to hurt. You can't replace Bridget Carlton. There's just no way to do it. Uh, and Alexa Middleton. So they're going to have to fill their starting point guard spot as well as uh, someone's going to have to step up and be a uh, scoring machine. So there's a couple of big recruits coming in, including one five-star recruit coming in for the Cyclone women for next year. So they're going to be a little bit of a young team, so it's going to be interesting to see what uh, these ladies can do next year if they can uh, have another run to the NCAA tournament. Probably not as successful as this year because everything really just came together right, but it'll be interesting to see what can happen for these Cyclone women next year with maybe Ashley Jones leading this team next year as, as our new leading scorer. That would be interesting to see. But with that Cyclone women loss, it officially ended the final of the three major um, sports teams at Iowa State, those being football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. So that means uh, for the rest of until, you know, August, you probably won't hear us talk a ton about Cyclone sports, just because um, there's not, you know, there's no more major sports to talk about. So, you know, I mean, we'll still keep tabs on anything that happens, especially uh, Cyclone basketball how the roster is going to shake out. But we'll uh, transition now for some episodes into some less Iowa State-centric stuff because there's less Iowa State stuff to talk about. And speaking of, I think there's some non-Iowa State stuff that uh, one of you two wants to talk about. Well, so the AAF continues rolling into week eight. So there are after this week, there are only two more weeks uh, left in the regular season for the AAF before the uh, playoffs begin. And in a uh, article that I was reading earlier this week, I don't have uh, the reference right off the top of my head for all of our listeners, but in an article that I read this week, um, someone made made a comment that the AAF doesn't they don't think the AAF is going to survive without some help from the NFL Players Association. Um, and I think m- the majority of that is just due to lack of money coming in, lack of network, like networking and ability to uh, gain interest into the sport. I think a lot of the first few weeks, the ratings were really high because people wanted to check it out. But now it's kind of they're kind of in a lull. The NBA is starting to get closer to the uh, playoffs. MLB is starting up again, so a lot of people are shifting their focus back to baseball. Uh, obviously, March Madness has taken a huge effect, and that's what is on primetime television, especially over the weekend where you had the Sweet 16 games and the Elite 8 games being played. So right now, I think there's not a large, audience, large enough audience for them, and I think they do need some help if they are going to survive their first season. But... Enough about that. We'll get you updated on currently what is happening. So the Birmingham Iron secured a second playoff 
the second playoff spot in the East. Uh, they beat the Atlanta Legends 17-9. to The Hot Shots secured a playoff spot with their win over the Commanders. Uh, in a 26 to six victor, 23 to six victory, actually, excuse me. Uh, so just a recap of the division standings right now in the East division, the Orlando Apollos are seven and one, the Birmingham iron are five and three, the Atlanta legends are two and six and the Memphis express have dropped to two and six as well. Over on the West coast in the West division, the San Antonio commanders, uh, moved to five and three on the year. The Arizona Hotshots moved to five and three. The San Diego Fleet fall to three and five, as well as the Salt Lake City Stallions coming in at three and five. Next week, we will update you with our Week Nine standings in the AAF. The penultimate week. There's only ten weeks of the AAF, right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. And then we'll be in the postseason. That's what comes after the regular season, usually. That is true. But before the postseason is the regular season. And this past week was opening week for the MLB. Yeah, it was. Baseball yeah. is back. And it's awesome. I love to have baseball back. It's great to be able to sit working on a lab and have a baseball game pulled up. And the fact that baseball's on almost every night. Oh, it's so good. I love baseball. So, Mike, season. just so your family can hear what you told me and Wyatt earlier this week. What what was it that you were saying about your productivity level in class and how baseball will help you <laughs> not fall asleep in class? Can can you repeat that comment for me? Yeah. So the uh, quote that I gave, uh, this is a quote that I saw from uh, George Will, and it said that baseball, they say, is just a game, and that's true. The Grand Canyon is just a hole in Arizona. And that was not the quote that I was referring to. So the quote that I was referring to, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is one of your hosts, Mike Ludwig, said this is his favorite time of the year because now he can sit in class and watch baseball. Mind you, he's paying thousands of dollars to sit in class and watch baseball, not at the ballpark. Granted, he doesn't have to be cold sitting in the middle of Minnesota in March watching baseball, which I'm sure nobody wants to do. But hey, hey did, I, did did the Twins have a game delayed because of snow this weekend, or was that the Royals? Okay, off my back. But Mike Wait, said what? Mike said that he his productivity level and focus level in class will go up because he will be watching baseball rather than falling asleep. So, <laughs> for the record, I don't fall asleep in class that often. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I fall asleep in class less often than Wyatt skips class. I yeah, don't and, think so. And Wyatt I don't goes think that's to true. class. That just doesn't. That doesn't compute. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Um, so the Royals did have two games uh, delayed this season already. Uh, Kansas City wasn't too nice on Thursday for opening day. Literally the only storm in the United States was over Kansas City. That was fun. Uh, so after an hour and 40 minute rain delay, the Royals win their first game. Uh, starting pitching has been really surprising so far. Uh, both Brad Keller and Jacob Junis both spun pretty good games in their first two starts. Uh, that suffered a little bit today as Jorge Lopez was on the mound. and the, But the bullpen is absolutely tragic right now. And I was sitting on the couch watching the uh, end of the game on Thursday night. And this is why one of your... Uh, 8311 cast host is pissed off this week. So I was sitting on the couch 
and the Royals were in the ninth inning. They come into the ninth inning with a 5-0 lead. Uh, they There had only been two hits in the game allowed by Royals pitching through the ninth. All of a sudden, the Chicago White Sox start making a run, and the Royals end up having to use either three or four pitchers in the ninth inning. And I start thinking to myself, hmm, this BS MLB rule that is coming out next year of how a pitcher has to face or has to get at least three outs, or is it three outs or three batters? Three has to face three, three batters or three, finish the inning. Three, three batters or finish the inning. So I was sitting there and thinking that none of the pitchers who pitched for the Royals in that inning faced at least three batters. And had they had to follow and adhere to that rule, the Royals might have lost that game. And it ended as a 5-3 to three score with the bases loaded with two outs uh, and a long fly ball hit to the outfield, which was the third out of the inning. But the Royals could have very easily lost that game due to this new MLB rule. I hate how this is going to, uh, how I perceive this to change the landscape of the game of baseball. I think this is tragic for the game of baseball. I think this is a garbage rule. You hear, heard it here first. I hate this rule. That's why I'm pissed off about it. You, you actually heard it here first, but last week when I complained about it. You're right. But now I'm complaining about it again because the Royals bullpen is absolute garbage this year, and I'm sure it's going to be garbage next year as well. So not only am I sweating this year because the game's are very dicey in the 8th and ninth inning, but I'm already sweating because of next year. I mean, they could sign Craig Kimbrell. That would make them better. They could, but as of right now, Craig Kimbrell probably won't pitch until the middle of May, so that's there's not going to be much help for the Royals' bullpen for a while. That's true. They're going to have to deal with it, just like every other team, because the season has started. And do you know what has been a pleasant surprise? And that is actually the Minnesota Twins pitching and starting pitching in particular i uh so the twins uh started off the year two and one beating the uh indians in a three-game series they won the first game on thursday two to nothing and then lost the second game on saturday two to one before winning today eight or nine to three something like that i think it was eight to three so the twins pitching has been really uh impressive only giving up five runs throughout the first uh three games of the year also i saw that they uh they struck out 39 batters over the course of uh, this three-game series. So from a team that historically has uh, not been very good at uh, striking out batters and have had a lot of pitch-to-contact uh, pitchers, seeing all those strikeouts was very encouraging, uh, especially Jose Burrios and Jake Odorizzi. I believe with... Odorizzi had 11, right? He had, yeah, he had like 11 or 12 strikeouts in his start on Saturday. So that was really good to see. If he could have a, a year that was more like his career average and less like last year, that would be a big thing for the Twins' starting rotation. It'll be an interesting thing to follow as the season develops to see if the rotation can continue to pitch. I don't think the starters even gave up a run at all. Maybe uh, Odo Izzy did, but the starters didn't give up uh, very many runs, if any, over the course of this weekend series. So that's very good for the Twins. I don't think the Cubs had quite as uh, successful of a uh, weekend, did they, Wyatt? Unfortunately not. The Cubs lost a series to the Texas Rangers. Uh, won the first game and then lost the next two. Uh, and the most embarrassing part was game three, losing game three in the bottom of the ninth off of a wild pitch. Uh, so that, that was kind of embarrassing. What I thought was an uh, interesting stat, though, was I think it was the first game that Hugh Darvish started. He pitched three innings, which isn't 
uh, too long. I think he only pitched 78 pitches or something. But for the first 58 pitches of the game, the ball was not put into play when when the Rangers were up at bat. So uh, he either walked or struck out uh, batters. No ball was actually put into play for defenders to to defend against. So fun fact: yeah, the Cubs did lose. Our bullpen's also awful, not as bad as the Royals apparently. But um, well, apparently the Twins is also pretty bad. But at least they haven't had to go out and pitch very many innings yet. Yeah, the Twins the Twins bullpen uh, has actually not looked awful they've only given up four runs so i mean when you only give up we did look it up the twin starters odo Izzy did give up one run uh blake parker has given up one run and michael pineda who is uh not pineda boy and uh martin perez sorry who is will be in the starting rotation but is currently pitching out of the bullpen gave up three today so that's what uh, the twins have allowed for runs so the twins bullpen hasn't proved themselves to be bad yet so we're going to try to keep it that way. Did, didn't did Carl Edwards Jr. have some interesting things happen to him, you said, Wyatt? Besides, uh, he did. Besides blowing a game? Uh, we will. Well, he, it wasn't entirely his fault. Uh, he does have an interesting um, wind-up when he's pitching, which I think we'll talk about later in Mike's Stupid Rules is it, section. Is it similar to the Johnny Cueto shimmy shake? Not quite. Oh, okay. uh, it's not quite as intense as that, unfortunately, because that is that is very entertaining to watch. Yeah, so uh, I really love to see the MLB season underway. We'll start to get more into a regular schedule here over the next two or three weeks once all teams' opening uh, home openers are out of the way. So that'll be a very good thing to get to see that uh, baseball is back on on a regular basis, and it'll give us a lot to talk about over the course of the spring and summer here on 8311 Cast. But... We are going to talk about a new activity that we have yet to talk about on the 8311 cast. And what will that be, Wyatt? You're going to head up this uh, segment of the show, I've heard. Well, so let me uh, preface this by saying motorsports is by definition a sport. It, it's literally in the name. So we're going to be talking about Formula One, which is my favorite my favorite type of motorsport. So uh, this week was the second Grand Prix of the 2019 F1 season. It was in Bahrain. It was a really good race. It was super dope, actually. Um, so you guys, as far as I know, don't know a whole lot about F1. Is that, is that true? I know nothing. I know the little bit you taught me when I watched some with you last I, year. So, I, I, uh, I know what F1 is, but jokingly, I thought that it, it's just your function one key on the keyboard. <laughs> Not quite. So uh, basically, F1 is super fast cars going around uh, a circuit-based track. So you have NASCAR, which is an oval track, which is all, you know, left turns, left turns. A circuit track is uh, one that has left and right turns, essentially. And there's two types of tracks. There's, like, normal tracks, but there's also tracks that are based in the city. So if you watch the Monaco Grand Prix, which is, in my opinion, the best track to race at, it's actually set in a city. So they're racing between buildings and intersections and stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Monte Carlo also a city-based one? Um, isn't that Monaco? I think it's the same one. Is that Monaco? Oh, I'm like okay. 90% sure. Okay. Um, so there's 20 drivers, 20 different cars that race, and there's 10 teams or constructors. Um, of those teams, they're kind of split in between the, the front pack, the middle pack, and the, the rear of the pack. So the front pack, you have like Ferrari, Mercedes, super fast car, um, uh, Red Bull, Red Bull Racing, RBR, also really fast and stuff. So last year and really every year since probably 2011, Mercedes has really dominated F1. 
uh, their two drivers have really came on top, and Mercedes has uh, most of the world constructor uh, wins. Also, they're they're playing for two two separate trophies. The constructors, the teams are playing for a trophy, the World Constructor Championship, and the drivers are also playing for um, their own trophy, the World Drivers Championship. So this, this the sport's kind of separated into constructors and drivers. So that's kind of interesting. Ferrari looked like it was going to make a comeback in the Grand Prix today. They were absolutely killing it. Charles Leclerc was leading the race for all the laps except for the last 15 when he had an engine failure. <laughs> that when I was watching... You kind of need your engine to drive. You do. So th- there's... When I was originally watching it, there were the, the announcers were talking about what's called the MGU-H failing. There's two types of energy recovery systems in an F1 car. One recovers energy from the brakes, kinetic energy kinetic energy the other one takes heat from the exhaust and converts it into like a battery for for a separate electric engine to go so it sounded like the electric portion of the engine failed out but apparently one of the cylinders was just misfiring for the ferrari engine which put pushed charles leclerc back to third place which is unfortunate about 10 laps to go and then uh, a different constructor which was renault they played some like 4d chest playing ahead in time and both of their cars failed at the same time which made a pace car come out, which makes it so no cars can pass each other, which forced Charles Leclerc to be in third place for the rest of the race. He didn't get passed, and he came out. That is his number, his best finish so far in his F1 career. He's a great guy racing for Ferrari. That was pretty cool. Sebastian Vettel, the other driver for Ferrari, decided to spin out during the race when Lewis Hamilton was overtaking him for no apparent reason. So that happened, and he lost his front wing. I'll show you guys this video later, but there's a big front wing, on an F1 car, and when he spun out, he flat-spotted the tire. So when he took off again, the car was vibrating so bad that it made the front wing basically explode, and he ran over it, and it looks really cool. I will have to watch that later. I like explosions. It is it is very cool. I so, also like explosions. So at the end of the Bahrain uh, Grand Prix, we have um, Lewis Hamilton coming in first, followed by Valtteri Bottas coming in second, and then Charles Leclerc coming in third. So that's two. Uh, two podium finishes for Mercedes and one for Ferrari, which is pretty cool. This also broke Max Verstappen's um, streak of podium finishes. He's had six in a row now since Japan of last year. So that's all I got for F1. It's cool stuff. Vroom, vroom. Would totally recommend checking up on the... What race is next? Two weeks. They're going to be racing in China. I think it's a Chinese Grand Prix, which is really cool. Also a good track to watch. Check it out on ESPN. ESPN2, I think they always put the races on. That's all I got. Nice. That was interesting. I look forward to uh, to uh, hearing more about F1 as the season goes on. Especially since there's no more Cyclone Sports to talk about. Sad face. Rip. Very much sad face. But you know what there is time to talk about? Baseball. Baseball. And more baseball. The best part about baseball, well, not, not really the best part about baseball, but a good part about baseball is the rules of baseball. And since it's baseball season, we're going to go back to baseball for more um, rules about baseball. And today, the rule that we're going to teach you about, as uh, Wyatt and Kyle did make a little bit of a reference to earlier in the show, is the Bach. Oh, a Bach? Can we invite Joe West? Because he doesn't know what a Bach is, apparently. I mean, Joe West doesn't know a lot of things, That's so true. we're going to leave Joe West out of this for now, unfortunately. Boo. As, as fun as it would be. Maybe Joe West will be a guest on our podcast at some point. I, I don't want I that. Don't I have that. a lot to say to that man. <laughs> anyway, a Bach. What is a Bach? A Bach. So 
when the pitcher, before the pitcher is about to um, deliver the pitch to home plate, right, he must do um, something that is called coming set. So that means he must, you know, have the ball in his glove and his um, hand also in the glove. So he must be holding on to the ball in his glove um, with one foot on the, the rubber, like the pitching rubber that's uh, on the top of the mound, one foot on the rubber. So a balk would be when a pitcher comes set and then um, would be to make a move to pitch to home plate but then choose to maybe throw to try to pick off a runner or something like that. So in order to throw to pick off a runner, the pitcher must step off the pitching rubber and then throw to that base. So a balk would occur if the pitcher were to throw to a base without first stepping off the rubber, or if he were to make a motion towards home as if he were going to throw a pitch and then step off the rubber to um, throw to a base. So you see these situations... Sometimes, a lot of times you see them with, uh, with um, left-handed pitchers where there'll be a runner on first base and maybe that runner is dancing around but the, uh, and the left-handed pitcher look, looking at first base can see that and maybe he, he would flinch or something and get called for a balk. Those would be some situations where you'd see balks. Um, otherwise, some pitchers with weird deliveries like uh, Kyle and Wyatt were referencing tend to get called for box as well too. If you're still confused about it, it's a really sort of hard rule to uh, describe to somebody without video. So if you're still uh, confused, I encourage you to look up some videos of uh, what box are so you can get a better understanding of this. They're not super common. You don't see them very often, but they are important parts. The Twins won a game because of a box once, maybe la either last year or two years ago. Uh, a pitcher balked with the Twins runner on third, allowing the game-winning run to score. So, oh, I should explain that. When a pitcher balks, it means <laughs> all the runners on base get to advance one base, uh, regardless of what base they're on. That's what happens when you balk. So that's why the runner on third, in, uh, in the Twins case, got to score. Because, you know, the next base after third is home, and a balk lets you advance one base. So, I love balks. Balks are awesome. I love when the ump calls a balk. Like you said, they don't happen very often. So... What you see is you'll see him flinch, and then one of the umpires, whether it be the home plate umpire, one on first or third, points at him, and then he yells, That's a block! And it's awesome. I like it when they yell stuff like that, and you can hear it on TV. So so if all yeah. of our listeners out there still have their eardrums, I do not. <laughs> I mean, I did Thanks yell into the microphone. <laughs> I thought about doing it, and I realized that would be way too loud. So, But I, I love that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but box don't usually happen if there's no runners on base, right? I mean, they're never called because there's no penalty for it. You, exactly. you can do it, but why get in the habit of doing, like, getting in the habit of actually committing a balk? And right. Since the penalty is runners advancing one base, yep. if there's no runners to advance a base, there's no balk to be called because there's no just, penalty for just it. Just put so. your first base coach on second, then. <laughs> Their first base coach on second. So it's kind of interesting because Carl Edwards Jr., he's a pitcher for the Cubs today. So not the NASCAR driver. Not that that's okay. that's not, I just not the to, same guy. I just wanted nope. to clarify. Nope. No, nope. one's a pitcher and one does the room vroom thing with left turns. Well, he used to. Well, yeah, you're right. So Carl Edwards Jr., the pitcher. Pitcher, right? Well, he does. He gets set. He moves a bit, sets again, and then throws. Which, when there's nobody on base, like like Mike said, they're not going to call him for a buck. But the umpires got together at the game, uh, the Cubs game today, game three against the Rangers on Sunday. And 
told him that he can't do that anymore, which is interesting because he's, as far as I know, that's how he always delivers pitches. So uh, that's what Kyle and I were talking about earlier in the MLB segment. That's all I got for. Sounds sorry like for he's stomping. He's going to have to adjust something. Yeah, I mean you're right. But and fun fact. And for adjustments, I think we might have a few adjustments to make to our accountability uh, sheet that we have hanging on our wall. For do write we, that downs. For write that downs. Do we do we have anything to take off the board this week, Mike? We do. We have four predictions to take off the board this week. Some successful and some not so successful. We will start with uh, Josh's prediction from last week, which was that Kentucky will win the national championship. They fell um, to Auburn um, this afternoon slash evening in their Elite Eight game, so Kentucky will not win the national championship, and Josh gets a... Another one to come off the board was my prediction from last week, which said that all four one-seeds would make it to the uh, women's Final Four. So far, two of the one-seeds have played, and they've both lost in their <laughs> uh, Elite Eight games. <laughs> so that prediction's not right. So for that, I get a... <laughs> it's not a very good win percentage for the one-seeds so far. No, not very good. Um, Wyatt predicted that Texas... T- well, technically his prediction was that no Big 12 team would make it to the Elite Eight. The only Big 12 team that was left when he made the prediction was Texas Tech. So we boiled it down to Texas Tech will not make the Elite Eight. Um, They did make it to the Elite Eight, and then they beat Gonzaga to make it to the Final Four, as we mentioned earlier. So for that, why it gets a nah. However. Continue, continue. Oh, okay. However. I was like, wait, what? other prediction (laughs) was that it would be above 60 degrees in Chicago on the Cubs opening day which on Thursday it did get up to 65 degrees in Chicago. So for that, wow. Wyatt is correct and gets a ding, 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 ding. That, that was the however. I got one wrong, but I also got one right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, can I go with my bold prediction? Do it. All right. So for all of our listeners out, out there, uh, if you pay attention to the Royals, uh, there's been a lot of tweets recently uh, for the Royals after they won their first two games saying, uh, I was trying to order an AL Champions t-shirt. Can't find one. Anybody have a link? Uh, <laughs> some people were posting uh, where they could buy a, uh, a World Series replica wing, ring for this season. Um, so I'm, I'm drinking the blue Kool-Aid, and I am going to say that the Royals will win or at least tie every series in the month of April. So just for all of our listeners out there and for... Our 8311 cast hosts, they have games against the Twins, at the Tigers, uh, home against the Mariners and the Indians, on the road against the White Sox, a four-game series in New York against the Yankees, three games on the road at Tampa Bay, three games at home against the Angels, and then to cap off two more games against the Rays to finish out the month. Is that Rays series at the end the series that rolls over into May? Uh, Yes, I would assume so since it's a Monday... Yes, a third and a fourth. Okay, would you be comfortable just for clarity's sake rolling that over as to through that Rays series? So we'll extend it to the uh, Wednesday, Thursday of that Rays series into uh, May. Okay. You're you're good with that? I'll be good with that. All right, Wyatt, what are you uh, What Because if they lose the first two games to the Rays, then that still gives me a chance for them to win the next two games. (laughs) Uh, A home run. There's no way they're going to win. I agree. There's no way. That's too many series to say that. Yep. Well, I agree that a home run should It's going to happen. Drink the powder blue Kool-Aid, everybody. No. No. Yeah. Not going to happen. It's a home run. Yeah, it's I agree gonna with happen. that. 
All right, Wyatt, what do you got? I have that the Cubs will sweep the Braves in the upcoming three-game series that we're playing with them Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, so, yeah, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, so it's kind of odd. They don't play on Tuesday. That is true. I looked it up. They're throwing out Kyle Hendricks, John Lester, and Jose Quintana. The Braves are currently 0-3. I am giving you a double. That seems fine to me. A sweep seems like a double type of thing. I'm done with that. Mike, what do you got? My prediction is that the Indians will be in third place. Not like third place or worse, or third place or better. Exactly third place in the AL Central. Oh, okay. At exactly the end of third place. I'm going to give you a triple now. Yeah, if you said third or or anything I, I was else. Gonna, if you said not, that, that would be a double. Third or higher, single. But exactly third, that's a triple. I'm down with that. I agree with a the triple there. Sweet. It seems fair to me. Sounds good. And we don't have a prediction from Josh this week. That was pretty... That was very concise. Like we're quick. That, we finally figured it out. No it's like, arguments. It's like we've done this I can twenty-five times. I an argument times. with you if you'd like. No thanks. You're tired. Save your energy. Yeah, I am tired, and I still have homework. Also, it's Go not allowed, bed, old man. It's not allowed because we are now at the end of the write that down segment, which means we're also at the end of the episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the eighty-three eleven cast, episode twenty-five. Signing off, the eighty-three eleven cast. Do you have remember? Do you remember that number that you threw out at the beginning? Yeah. Though? 3,672.4. Are you going to edit that out if that was wrong? Nope, because okay. nobody's going to go back and check me. Well, now they are because they said they're not going to, so exactly. whatever. Exactly. Please Doug somebody go back and check and then uh, tweet uh, at 8311cast or message us on uh, Instagram to tell us that Wyatt is wrong. I mean, I'm usually wrong, so it's not like anything's new. Wrong, wrong. Signing wrong, off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Did you have to prompt us to sign off two times? Yes, I did, because Kyle interrupted me. Oh, okay. You can continue. I just interrupted you again. (laughs) (laughs) We're so professional. Oh, God. We've already signed off. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Again, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Drink the powder blue Kool-Aid. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. There you go.